Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bali Effect. This is Preeti Tana. And this is Didi Perry. Oh my goodness. Preeti, Preeti, today's a big day. It today is a big day. Today is a huge, huge day. First of all, <laughs> we're in a very different space than we were just this time last week. We going certainly into are. Recording. We certainly are. This, this, uh, this little experiment of a podcast. Uh, how has the week treated you, Preeti? Oh, we've had some interesting moments this week, some big Bali moments. But overall, I think when you talk about the difference from last week to this week, there's such a brevity to this week. I feel, you know, even if it's the thought of hope and the future, and it's just a little brighter. And I think, you know, we talk about collective energy so often being in New York City. I think everyone's super excited and I can feel the energy of change and excitement and um, you know, even if it's just a feeling, I de- it definitely it's permeating through through the streets of of New York City. How are you feeling? Well, it it feels that the word that you used is perfect. It feels brighter. At the same time, very very cognizant of there's still a whole mm-hmm. lot that we are still up against, and some of the the hope and the optimism has, in some ways, I think taken a little bit of attention away from just how difficult things, you know, still are, but Dire. rightfully so, because this is something that people have been fighting for, praying for, hoping for, working towards uh, for years. And so it's like, let's celebrate. We, we, yeah, we deserve a moment. It's been a really tough year. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. it was, it was a challenging week. I think we're allowed to take those moments without Got losing to. sight of the the road ahead, without losing sight of, you know, what's happening with COVID and those numbers that are extremely, extremely um, alarming to me. You know, I think we're allowed to do it. And I think that's what life is all about. You know, the good I, with the bad. There you go. Facts of life. And if we don't take the time to celebrate the victories, the euphoria in those moments when they really do present themselves, I think we all just spiral into sadness and it's very difficult to carry on. But when you get that time to shine, go for it. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's Today right. Today is monumental. We will get to why it is on one end mm-hmm. in a little bit. But today is Diwali. And Diwali. Diwali. Happy yeah. Diwali. Happy Diwali. I, I'm so excited. I don't know why. You know, one of these, I love Diwali. I, I think it's so wonderfully rich in cultural expression. And I, one year, I'm telling, I'm going to make this a, a commitment on, on the pod. I will be in India one year for Diwali. Hey, that is, you know, that is maybe Can two years in a row, but I can't wait a did to get back hear? to India. What did you say? I said, can I come with you? Of course. Of course. <laughs> Everyone's invited to India to celebrate Diwali. Of course. <laughs> Can you tell folks who just might not know, like, what are they talking about? What is Diwali? Yeah, it's a celebration of, um, ironically, good over evil. It's it's, <laughs> it's, the, uh, it's the Indian New Year, I think, is the simplest uh, way to explain what Diwali is. So Fantastic. a lot of festivity. You'll see, you know, lights and color and play. And so um, it's, it's super exciting. I know my microphone's kind of covering it, but I, I did wear, I was, that's why I was late this morning. I was looking for an pr- appropriate uh, piece of jewelry to, I know, to I almost, offer some color. I almost came dressed up in Indian clothes. Almost. 
Girl, what's wrong? Go and change. Look, no, I'll, no, I'll, no. I'll hold the airway. We have, a really, <laughs> we have an important conversation to get to, but, yes, you know, so. All right. All right. Well, thank you for bringing us on, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, you know, something that I wanted to ask you, and I know it's a loaded question, but hey, it's the new year and we're just going to keep on going deeper and deeper and deeper. So kicking it off. Bollywood, uh, Bollywood, Lord of Mercy, Bali Effect Diwali version. <laughs> Preeti, I know that you know very, very well that none of us really can control the circumstances that we're born into, and none of us really are responsible for the lives that we're born into. However, Alcineva, as some would say, there does come a point where we as adults really do become responsible for the lives that we are leading. Can you think of a moment in your life journey when you realized I need to just own where my future is headed? Did, did you send this question to me before this? Okay. Just answer the question. <laughs> Um, yeah, I can. I don't know if it was the first moment, but it certainly was a poignant one. And that would be, you know, when we met in Bali and, and the namesake, if you will, of this podcast. I, and, and quite honestly, that was later, much later than I think one would assume, right? To, to say, oh, I'm responsible. But it's not so much, I mean, I think once you go to college and you, you know, leave the nest and you get a job, there's some, or if that's your path, there is some amount of responsibility that you feel um, from society and generally like, okay, I've, I've checked the boxes, I'm out of college, and now I need to be responsible, you know, whatever that means. So but aside from from that, taking it one level deeper of saying, yes, you know, of course, I'm a sometimes can be a responsible adult, but I'm truly in charge of my happiness. Mm. And and where I belong in this world and who I spend my time with, that I'm really responsible, that no one is going to come along and sort of save the day and, um, you know, or there's not going to be a prince on a white horse that's going to come, and, you know, take me away. I think that moment really did come in Bali because until that moment I was living a normal, I, I, it, I was living, you know, my life, I thought the way that it should be lived. And that when I saw all of when I met everyone in Bali, and we've had many of those folks on this podcast, when I saw how much joy they brought to the table by just living in their authenticity, I was stunned. You know, and, and that could be a product of who I spent my time with, you know, at that point and, and how much time I was spending at work. But to really see people uh, take a stand for what they believe in and just keep going, you know, almost, you know, keep producing, keep putting their, their, who they are out there. That to me was the moment, like, you know, these people have made a choice and they made a choice and they said, this is how I want to live my life. Doesn't matter what anyone says or does probably many, many naysayers on what I'm doing and how I'm operating, but you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And that, that to me, and, and you know, my life changed significantly after that trip. I made, a, you know, a lot of decisions that I think changed the path of, of my life. So, yeah, that was my, that was my, it's you, girl, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, you got to take action. Uh, no one's going to hand it to you. 
Well, that is both remarkable and inspiring to hear because I think that so many people, myself included, sometimes feel very locked into the immediate setting or the immediate circumstance and really don't think that something different is possible because you've never tried it before, perhaps you've never seen it before. Uh, For me, I definitely recall um, a trip. And maybe there's something to be said about the power of going someplace totally different from Mm -hmm. where you are physically and getting into an entirely different setting around entirely different people. I took a trip after getting very, very ill, losing my job, and not knowing what I was going to do, but fate just so happened, and of course we don't believe in coincidences, before all of that went down and things went up in flames, I had committed to taking a trip to India, the first in my life, and just to assist this artist who was a photographer. And I have to tell the full story another time when we have more time, but I find myself in Calcutta and in a school of children. Some The youngest ones were age two, all-girls school, and the oldest ones were 17 and 18. And it was both a, a day school and a boarding school for the girls. And when I first arrived there, I was immediate, it was a Saturday afternoon. The children are playing, some of them who lived there in the courtyard. And they see this tall black woman walk in. And, you know, I had flown for what felt like 10 years. <laughs> I was exhausted and went straight there to meet um, the folks I'd be staying with. And I stuck it out, you know, admittedly. But they immediately were like curious about, well, who who is this? And they come up to me and they're like, within like two minutes, at first they're staring and then they just come on over. And it was about like 10 or 12. I'm like, who are you? Who are you? And I said, well, I'm Dee Dee because kids are kids no matter where you are. And my, you know, shtick goes over well on any area code, right? And so I'm like, I'm Dee Dee. Who are you? asking me all these questions. What, what, what's up? What are you about? <laughs> and they all start laughing. And then they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didi is your name? Really and truly? Didi is your name? And I say, yeah. It's like, that's the name your mother gave you? Well, yes, it is. Didi is what everybody calls me. And they all start jumping up and they say, yay, yay, yay. And I'm like, what's going on? And then one of the teachers is like, in our language, in Bengali, Didi means big sister. Mm-hmm. So they see you as their big sister. And that moment floored me because the entire the circumstances under which I had gotten there had been a lot of pressure, a lot of confusion. I'm like, why why am I coming over here? Da, da, da. And in that moment, it was like, and this is your answer. This is your family. And you are going to learn some things about yourself here that you could not have gotten previously. And what I came out of that experience with, I stayed there for about two weeks, was there is nothing that you can't do if you want to do it. And that gave me the motivation to become an entrepreneur. I didn't think Mm -hmm. it was possible before that for myself. It was like I hadn't seen it um, successfully modeled, like in just my immediate, you know, circumstances. But it's like, you know what? I see children who are making beautiful things out of life after being dealt a very difficult set of cards. There is nothing I can't do back over in America where all the opportunities have been presented to me. Just just do it. 
Yeah. So yeah. That, that I think you know. I, first of all, I think India has a way of doing that. Hey, I'm <laughs> all for it. I'm all for it. And uh, it's a perfect segue into our guest because I think that you there is a quality or characteristic personality trait that one must possess to make that transition. And I can't wait to ask our guest about it. I mean, do you want to intro our guest today, Dee? I would love to because our guest is someone who I have had the privilege of knowing for a long, long time. We go back like rocking chairs. However, I can honestly say, and I, I don't say this about everyone, over 30 years, she has been consistent. And I just, I hope that everybody has an opportunity to just know folks from a time, you know, before life seasons happen and still see the consistency of beautiful qualities and characteristics like kindness, thoughtfulness, brilliance. And she has them all in, in huge, huge doses. So it also is her birthday. You know, yeah. Q50 No, you know what? I didn't even, why did I just spill on this microphone and say that man's name? Oh gosh, I'm furious. I'm so sorry. I Forgive me. I can't take that back. Can we edit this out? You know, we're just running. No, no, just keep going. Just keep. All right. So, so happy birthday. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Hannah Robinson. Hannah Robinson is a chef, a nutrition consultant, and a yoga teacher. She's a graduate of the chef's training program at the national, the natural gourmet Institute for health and culinary arts. And she went on to work at the acclaimed Gramercy Tavern in Manhattan, excuse me, and had the mission of transforming the standard American diet into wholesome, nutrient-dense meals. And she also worked as a private chef for families and celebrities for many years. However, in 2019, she shifted gears and completed a 200-hour yoga teacher training and now teaches yoga and is a nutrition consultant for the Greenvale School in New York. And I just want to open up with this beautiful quote that she that she had. Uh, she said, in the kitchen, I became an artist. There's also an alchemy to the practice of yoga where the mind, body, and soul connect in perfect harmony. Mm-hmm. It is the art of finding balance both on my plate, my mat, and throughout my day that I strive for. Well, damn. <laughs> Welcome, Welcome, <Hannah>. Welcome <laughs> birthday, birthday, girl. Thank you, Preeti and Didi. Thank you so much. I got to say, um, I, I do want to shout out her social later on, but Hannah and her sister are, are like some of the most phenomenal food porn creators <laughs> um, out there because they, they have a wonderful uh, site that just shows these phenomenal creations. Her sister is a chef as well. And I'm already hungry, but you know, I, I do want to dive into uh, this t- conversation. That is what I'm I'm hungry for this morning. So I, I want to know, like Hannah, <laughs> what, when I was thinking about this, I, I had to say, you know, you, in when it comes to food, when it comes to health, nutrition, from my view, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems as if 
you were way ahead of your time. Like before there was a Whole Foods, you know, all over America, before there was like the organic labels on anything. Preeti, when we were kids, everybody else, like at lunchtime, brown paper bagged it. And you'd be excited if you had like peanut butter and jelly and like Oreos, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. For lunch. I didn't know what pheasant was. <laughs> I didn't know what venison was. Wait, it had not had. I didn't know what quail eggs were. This was her lunch. It was so next level. It's like, what? Mom, you're stiffing me hard. Like, <laughs> just go. Come on, Mom, Hannah. Thank you really, for that's me all what... my life. Like, let me be clear. But <laughs> I just want to know um, what can you tell us how you got, and I'm sure your family had much yeah. to do with it, but how did you get that level of exposure to the healthy food world? And why did you decide to make it? into a into a career because most folks were like this is just how life is and la-di-da but you made the choice I want to actually do this professionally so what was that about because it wasn't your first career so yes set it up for us all right well first of all thank you for not ostracizing me as the child with the strange lunches (laughs) no it was fascinating I wanted I'm like mommy can we have pheasant she's like what (laughs) So I grew, I mean, Didi, you and I grew up, you know, in fairly neighboring towns. Um, But I grew up on a farm, not really a working farm, but we had cows and uh, sheep and turkeys sometimes um, and a really big vegetable garden. And my dad and my mom both loved to garden. My mom more sort of on the plant flower side and my dad food and vegetables. Um, and I used to love just being outside, being in the garden, helping out. Um, you know, there's, there's like such a gift to be able to pull something out of the ground and then just eat it. Um, and my dad, he hunts, he hunts and he fishes. And so Generally, when we were eating red meat, it was um, venison, deer, or it was the cows that we raised. Um, He always had fresh fish. um, And so we weren't really buying a lot of meat from the grocery store. Like having a roast chicken was sort of new and (laughs) and exciting. Um, And... So no, I didn't start off in the food world, but sort of, um, Preeti, as you were saying, you know, you get sort of caught up in like what's right, what society says is right. And so after college, I started working for E and the Style Network. And as a 27 year old, I was like, this is the coolest job on the planet. I have made it. Um, And, you know, then you, you burn out and you mature. And so I wanted to do something that I really loved. And I, I tried to take my sort of experience in marketing, um, and move from the world of cable and entertainment into the restaurant industry. Um, and spoke to a lot of people in New York. Um, Danny Meyer, who went to Trinity college where I went, he was so gracious. I mean, I emailed him out of the blue and he called me back the next day and was like, come on in, I'll talk to you. You Who is Danny that. Meyer? Danny mm-hmm. Meyer is the, is the very well-known um, restaurateur of uh, Union Square Hospitality. So 
Shake Shack, which everybody knows, but Union Square Cafe and Gramercy Tavern. And gosh, I don't even know how many restaurants he has now, but internationally. Um, and so I knew, you know, people were gracious to give me an interview, but they sort of looked at me and they were like, you need some experience. I'm so glad you love food, but like, let me see your resume. And so I decided to go to culinary school and there's this very unique school, which has since been, um, bought by ICE, the Institute of Culinary Education. So Natural Gourmet Institute doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it was a very holistic education and approach to food. It was all about learning to heal the body through the foods that you eat. And to me, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I thought of going sort of the nutritionist route, but that was a lot of school. And mm -hmm. I liked living and working in the world and not being a student so much. Um, so this was a quick turnaround program. It was four months full time. Um, and it was heaven. You know, I was learning about food. I was learning how to cook. It was, even though I grew up eating meat and I eat meat today, it was a plant-based curriculum. Um, but I learned so much and I then was lucky enough to work at Gramercy Tavern, um, for a little while, you know, you had to do it as part of your externship to graduate. And they, so I finished that and they then hired me. And as much as I was so honored and excited by the hire, but people who work in kitchens, God bless them. You work your tail off and you are not earning a big living. I mean, you are, it, it's like less than minimum wage. Um, and I also, you know, here I had education and there's something to be said about going to a restaurant and you do the same thing every day. I mean, unless you've worked your way up, but I wanted to make my own food. Um, mm. I wanted to, I wanted to be in charge. And so again, sort of like what you gals just said earlier, you know, what I, what I put out there, what I wanted, I've been really lucky to get it. And I remember talking to, you know, my colleagues at the time at Gramercy and they were like, what do you mean you're not going to take the job? What do you mean you're going to go off on your own? And I was lucky enough to do that. Um, and I just put it out there that this is what I wanted to do. And my first client was a woman who, um, who I knew through my husband's work and it just spread like wildfire. And all of a sudden I had clients and I was doing what I loved. Okay. That? How's <laughs> that? <laughs> I wish, I wish this was one of the podcasts I wish we were doing in person because you get to eat food. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And Gramercy Tavern is, is uh, one of my favorite players. It has been one of my favorite places to experience, you know, food. And I say that because I think the experience of food, of course, good food is part of it, but Gramercy Tavern, I think, exhibits such a wonderful um, experience of creativity. You know, in in the in the ambiance and just the the actual setting and where they're located. But I have I I have a ton of questions. <laughs> I think it's first of all, I think it's fantastic. And but I, I'll go back to the question that I sort of touched on earlier. You know, what do you think? an individual, what characteristic do you think is most important for someone to say, you know, a lot of us work in corporate jobs and have ideas and, and look at other people doing things. Some of us don't do anything about it, 
about it. You know, some of us say this is the path. Others, you know, take that leap. What do you think is the most important characteristic for someone to have to actually transition from the life you thought you should live to the life you want to live? Such a good question. Um, I think, you know, creativity is certainly part of it, but I don't, it's not a good answer because there's plenty of creative people that are still, you know, working, but not doing exactly what they want. Um, confidence, willing, being a risk taker. Um, but it, it is, it's such a good question. I also think I know that I've been privileged enough to be able to have that choice. Um, I, I got married shortly after finishing culinary school and my husband had a great job and, you know, he sort of said, do it, take this leap of faith and, and you can do it, you know, as a, as a team, as a couple, we're just fine. You know, we can pay our rent and live in our apartment and things will be okay. So I, I do think I'm blessed and grateful that I've been in a position of privilege to be able to take that step. Um, did you fear failure at totally. all? Totally. <laughs> I think there's also, I sort of beat myself up in the, you know, is this a real job, you know, versus sort of a made, a made up one. Um, I, yes, I feared failure, but actually now that I'm saying this out loud, not really. Like you kind of know, I think this ties back to, you know, I don't like, I'm not a big recipe follower. Like I'll browse and I'll look at the ingredients and just looking at the ingredients, I'll know, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm not a step-by-step. And it's like so reflective of my personality. <laughs> like I don't really want to follow the rules. I just want like a little bit of information. And I think we I'm would be friends. really good friends, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I feel like we know each other. Um, I don't like following rules either. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I want to, I want to experiment and I know, and it, again, cooking is such a mirror of my personality because you can fix stuff as you're cooking, you know, like if something is too salty, I know what to add to count to counter that. I know what I need to do to balance it out. Um, and so I knew, you know, if I could succeed in something that I didn't really care about, like being a marketing manager at whatever company. Okay. But if I could do what I loved, I sort of had this deep down thought of, I know I'm going to do a good job. Go girl. You know, I think all the questions that we ask, we are asking our guests, but we are also asking ourselves. And for me, when I get ideas for things, I don't usually, I, I think they, they usually like they're inspired. So they're coming from somewhere else. And so the, the, the failure fear isn't in, is this a good idea? It's more, am I going to be able to pull it together to execute on the vision? And I just wonder when you say like, I, I got that one client and then everything just took off for me. Did you expect for success to come so quickly? Because I think it's that that thought of like, well, I think it's great, but will everyone else, is it going to actually take wings and fly that a lot of entrepreneurs uh, struggle with and sometimes stumble upon? And that can create the obstacle to getting started. I, I did not think it was going to take off quickly. You know, also there's something really amazing about living in New York city. 
right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it all goes down. It's where creative people are. It's where really successful businesses are. Um, I mean, it was a dream to me where I started working for someone and then I had a very good relationship with the school that I went to. And they would call me and say, hey, how would you like to work for Sarah Jessica Parker? And I nearly dropped the phone and said, are you kidding me? This is like the coolest thing on earth. Um, of and- sex in the city fame, just to be clear, because you just dropped that big one. <laughs> because, you know, I'll say this to my children and they're like, uh-huh, who? So I, I got to work for very cool people. Um, and that felt so good, you know, because I was just being me. Um, yeah, but I do think, and I know you guys have touched upon this, like you, you, the minute you put it out there, you know, and you have to work for it, but you have to put out the vibe of like, this is what I want. And then it, it, you can attract it. You have to believe it too. You have to believe it. You have to truly embody the feeling that that situation is has happened. We hear this all the time. You know, our listeners, I'm sure, have heard the a flavor of this from, from many different people. But it is difficult. You you know, you have to put yourself in the feeling of, and I, I think that is one of the many secrets of getting what you want. But yeah, you know, I have a I have a you know I'm we won't touch on ages. Uh, but do you think that if social media was as prevalent now, I know, I know Hannah, there's been some conversations about you and social media and how you feel about it. And perhaps maybe a little distancing from Instagram recently, but do you think that, um, how long ago did you get your first client? Oh, um, golly, it was like 10 years ago. Okay. So arguably we all know a decade ago, Instagram, uh, wasn't around, right. Or it wasn't in the point. Do you think that if you, if social media was as prevalent then as it is today, your business would have jumped over hurdles much faster, or you would have been able to tap into that marketing and grown it faster than you did today. And tell me why based on your answer. Um, Yes and no. I mean, at the time, again, Instagram was sort of new. (laughs) You know, I I did think right away, one of my first steps was I need a presence. I need a presence where somebody can look me up, find me. I need a landing page. And so I started a website because I did. I needed to direct um, people to who I was. I wanted to show them pictures of my work. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted them to be able to read snippets of my writing or see my menu. So, yeah, maybe it would have been a lot easier with Instagram. With that said, um, there's there's so much on Instagram. So there's like hundreds of thousands of me on Instagram, you know? So I think, and I think also Instagram is amazing and and I have been messing it and yes, I'm back on it. Um, (laughs) It introduces you to so many things, but also for me personally, it can be a bit stifling because I start to get competitive. I start to compare my work with others. Mm -hmm. I start to doubt myself and that's not good for me. Um, So definitely, you know, I sound like a grandmother saying this, but technology was great. Just having a website was great. Um, <laughs> and, and we've come a long way with Instagram. 
I think there is something though groovy to to living in your own world and 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 putting out your work and not really caring. It does lead to not caring what other people think because you're not seeing what they're doing and you're just focusing your time and attention on on the present. You know. Well, for me, this begs the question, Hannah. If everything was going spectacularly, you literally mm-hmm. are feeding Carrie. Why? Why? Why shift away from that? And why to yoga? Mm-hmm. So the shift, the shift for me happened with motherhood. Um, you know, you have a big belly and cooking and shopping and hauling bags and frankly, cleaning other people's kitchens. Like it gets a little bit tiresome. Um, and so I worked up until the time that my daughter was born But then when she was, you know, it was like, okay, now I'm a full-time mom. Um, And I, I wanted that, you know, it took me, it took me a couple of years to get pregnant with my daughter. And so I made the choice that I wanted to be a mom. So then I threw everything into that Um, yoga, which I had, have been practicing for a while. I started practicing in the city. Um, I then moved out to the North shore of Long Island where my husband grew up and found a yoga studio that I fell in love with. Um, and it was my therapy, you know, what I needed to have a break from cooking and being a mom. But I think cooking and being a mom and practicing and teaching yoga are all interwoven, mm-hmm. um, you know, and everything comes back to the earth, you know, like I I grew up on this farm and pulled things out of the garden and being able to cook and nourish myself and nourish my family. And then being able to practice, which is really about, you know, like finding your roots, grounding down so that you can connect to the natural world. Um, It, it's all part of this sort of puzzle that I'm piecing together. where did you oh go d go i have so many i know like so many so when did you decide that you wanted to sorry commercial break (laughs) when did you decide that you wanted to not only practice yoga so that you could derive all these benefits for yourself but that you wanted to actually teach other people to retrieve some of these same awesome uh benefits so after practicing for about a year um, at studio that I was which, practicing at. Which studio was it? Oh my gosh, guys. Well, sorry. It was a studio. It's called Gritty Buddha. In, 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 oh, in Glencove. Where were you practicing in the city? In the city, I was practicing at Pure Yoga. Mm-hmm. On the upper- Are they paying us to say this? I know. My yoga works. Yeah, I'm just curious. I was curious if we had crossed paths at some point. Oh, maybe. Did you also practice there? Uh, yeah, I'm actually 200 hours certified. I got oh, certified. Oh, I, I know. Yeah, and so I think I've been to almost every yoga city, uh, okay. yoga studio in the city. But I did practice at Pure, um, and then spent a great amount of time at Laughing Lotus. Ah, uh, which I still am dying to get there, and I yeah. have. Um, anyway, tell us. So I, so after loving this studio, Gritty Buddha, so much, um, the the name. Name, it, it's such a great name. I mean, with the name alone, like I was there. 
Um, as soon as I realized that the owner offered a teacher training, I, I wanted in and I had to wait it out a year because I had little kids. So now I had two kids, you know, and they needed me to feed them dinner and put them to bed. And it's like the timing just didn't work out. But literally with the next teaching that rolled around, I laid the groundwork to make it happen for me. Like I found a sitter that was going to step in. My husband like took on all of Saturday so that I could be at this training. And it, it changed my life. It Mm -hmm. was so, it felt like years of therapy packed into 200 hours. It, you know, for the first time, it just allowed me to like this, it was this introduction to myself, you know, this introduction of really learning my own body and, and the thoughts and feelings that run through it or the thoughts and feelings that needed to run through it. And yoga was the answer to that. And so I I didn't know if I was going to teach right after finishing the training. Um, But, you know, the, the owner, she needed to go away. And so she asked if I would sub and I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I was, I was so excited and so honored. And that first class, man, I prepped and practiced (laughs) and did the playlist, but there's something about teaching where like, I get to just put on this new hat and you know, you, it's like all the things that I've always wanted to do, but could never really exceed at. Like I get to be a choreographer. I I love dance, but like I could never dance professionally. I get to be a DJ. I love music, creating the playlists, like creating hours worth of music that leads you through a flow. That's like heaven to me. Um, and I get to tell we are love it, you know, we are related somehow, or we've, we've walked this earth on a different life, you know, because truly that is one of my favorite things about, or was one of my favorite things, that playlist. I mean, I, I've always talked about sight, sound and motion, but being able to create like the beginning, middle and end. And even now when I go on, um, well, when I used to until COVID go on yoga trips, I have a good friend that does a yoga retreat every year. They're like, you got to come with the playlist. I'm on it, you know, and I, I, it's so fulfilling because it's complete, you know, and I think that's what the practice gives me always has a feeling of complete of, of a beginning middle. And it's so satisfying to move through practice when you're in Shavasana. It's, it is, I agree, Hannah, it is the best thing I ever did. And it's such a gift. It's, you know, sometimes we think we make, you know, you're like, what am I doing with my life? And what's going on? And what, you know, what comes next? And uh, this is a reminder, you know, sometimes we make these decisions and they turn out to be the most extraordinary foundation Mm -hmm. for everything. So, yeah, I mean, I love it. I love it. I, I truly love what you just said was so powerful. It was an introduction to myself. And, you know, somebody would say, what what do you mean an introduction to yourself? You've been around for however many years. You didn't know who you were. But, I mean, I think that is, in so many ways, the journey, the adventure, the mystery of 
our time here on the planet, we are constantly learning new things about who we are. And we learn things that are surprising. We can learn things that are upsetting. We can learn, you know, all kinds of things, right? And uh, shifting slightly, but still completely on this, this same line of thinking, 2020 has been, and that's what I'm going to call it. Mm -hmm. However, for all that it has brought to the world, I, I, I really do believe that essentially the pandemic has been more innately revelatory than it has been destructive. It has pulled the covers off of a lot of things that folks we're not paying attention to, but that we're there all along, as opposed to coming in and creating external problems that did not exist. I wonder, Hannah, for you, what has that held true for you? Has this pandemic shown you things about yourself uh, that you just weren't paying attention to before? And if it did, how have you responded to these revelations? 100% it has, yes, been for me. And again, I don't, I don't mean to say this in a selfish way because COVID has been terrifying and lots of people have gotten ill and people have lost their lives. Um, I think the, the fact that it's an illness of the lungs, um, for me, it, literally it's the world saying, slow down and breathe because I was, I was on autopilot, like wake up breakfast for kids, get out the door. Don't be late. Rush, rush, rush. And it, it, it was really starting to eat away at me. Um, and I really was in this moment of like motherhood overload. Um, to the point where one morning I called my husband, he commutes into the city and he was halfway there. He was in Jamaica. And I was like, I've lost it. Like I've lost it with the kids and I can't, this isn't okay. I don't like who I am right now. Like I need, I don't know what's going on with me. And he was like, I'm coming home. And he's like, it's going to take me 45 minutes, but I'm coming home. And him coming home was such a sign and, and so helpful to me, but it was this, I needed to slow down and I needed some help. And then all of a sudden, literally within a couple days, everything shut down. And it was like, really, you need help at home? Like, okay, now you have to stay home. Um, but I do think it is this, this lesson that if we have to slow down and we have to breathe, just like your guest a couple podcasts ago, you know, where it's to me knowing that, and this is why cooking and yoga have been so, um, mean so much to me like to be able to help yourself with nothing else you know to be able to just control your breath like it is such it is such a gift you know like someone about my this author robin wall camera wrote braiding sweetgrass which is a book that just changed my life she said you know it's the privilege of breath and, and that is it's the privilege of breath. Like we've got to slow down and we have to reconnect to the earth because it will, it will recharge you, you know, and we have to treat it right. It, it is a gift to us. 
Um, but COVID, it really made me, um, it was like a clean slate for me. I needed to reprioritize like what's really important. All of a sudden I get to spend all day with my husband and my two kids, which can be challenging at times, but like what a gift. I have mm-hmm. a four and a six-year-old and I'm literally watching them grow every day. It's incredible. And when everything is closed, what do you have? What do you do? You spend time outside. Mm-hmm. It's like natural gifts that I have that I wasn't paying attention to. Now all of a sudden I am. You know, 2020 brought about some other, you know, moments that I kind of want to touch on, especially with you. And (laughs) this isn't tough journalism, but I think it is a tough question. Uh, Dee recently told me that you're a part of a book club and that. Go for it. Go for it. I I don't know if it was a formal book club or. Okay. Well, I think, I think, I think. It doesn't matter. I think a group, you and a group of friends decided to get together or had a conversation about a book, um, Me and White Supremacy. And with such a focus on Black Lives Matter this year, um, I want to ask, you know, you are a woman of privilege, right? You've, You've said so yourself in this podcast. What made you decide to really dig deep into your behavior, how you present yourself in the world. And if you really needed to understand if you did have that privilege and you were operating in a way that maybe you said, okay, let me, let us, let's, let's get together. Let's have a foundational basis for this conversation, which is this book. And let's talk about it. I knew I needed to learn more. You know, you turn on the news and it's story after story of racial injustice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew it, I I know it exists, but I didn't realize what a dire situation it is and has been, has been this way, you know, for hundreds of years. Um, and so I just, I knew I needed to educate myself because I needed, I could see what was happening only from my own perspective. And I knew I needed to shift the lens to try and see it from another perspective. Um, because, you know, again, a white woman of privilege, you know, I, I was born into the life that I was born into. I had no choice for that. Um, but I needed to understand and I needed to empathize and I knew my role as a mother of two young kids, like this is my time to make change, to instill change. I'm raising two children. I'm helping to formulate their brains and how they think and how they see the world. And I knew I needed to take advantage of this moment, um, and, you know, books are being written like I need to read them. I need to do, I need to do what's right. And again, it's COVID and it was, you know, the, the president, like I, I just, I want to do what's right. You know, I need to be the best me. And it was, it was time that I learn more, you know, bleed for people that aren't treated fairly. It's not okay. I think that a lot of people certainly 
<laughs> I'm late to that. Another commercial break. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I know that a lot of people can relate to exactly um, what you were describing in some ways as a, as Auntie Oprah calls it, like an aha moment. Like I, I have to take responsibility for not only where I am, but what I don't know. Yeah. Um, last season, we had wonderful activist uh, David Johns on, and at a, and it was right after. I mean, just so many people were being slain last summer um, by the state, and he expressed his exhaustion, and he said, "I am. If another white person reaches out to me and asks me how they can help." I'm going to scream like something to that effect. And it was a feeling that a lot of people of color were sharing. It's like, so we have to bear the brunt of the oppression as well as the burden of being the educators. Come on. It's too much. And I know that there are a lot of folks who haven't yet hit that point of, I got to just do the work myself. Do you know like what, was there a moment where it just you just hit your tipping point and you were saying, "Oh, this is this one's actually on me. I I need to just do it myself." Um, because I know that there are so many communities that are suffering in some manner. Uh, a friend of mine has a, a expression that I think is very apt. He says, "It's the same crap, different toilet." And so you think about folks who've been struggling for equality who are, are in the disabled community. You, you think about folks in the indigenous uh, nations of America. You think about, I mean, the, the trans community, my goodness. And there's a general awareness that people who are privileged in not knowing what those struggles are like, it's like, well, I, yeah, it seems really bad. I feel really bad for them. But they have not hit that point of, oh, I need to actually start learning seriously what is going on and what I can do to change it. So you really are a phenomenal archetype, Hannah, for making that shift. Can you tell us, how did it boil over for you? Thank you. Didi, I listened to that episode and I heard you say that and I heard your guests say that. And that actually really struck me because I think my, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say this and put it out there. I'm feeling vulnerable, but you know, my first reaction was like, oh, I should, what should I do? Tell me what to do. And hearing your podcast, I was like, I need to shut my mouth. This is for me to do on my own. No more work needs to be asked of other people. This is on me. Um, and, you know, especially the book, I'm, there are so many more books that I can read, but me and white supremacy there, you know, there's this, she says, Leila Saad, you know, you think you may think you're one of the good ones, you know, but you're not and you need to check yourself. And that really resonated with me because I, I did, you know, I thought like, I'm not doing any harm, but I, in this, in doing research, in reading me sitting back and doing nothing is doing harm. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me. Absolutely. That's so. a mic drop moment. Wow. I um, I feel so honored that it was that episode. I just got emotional because I remember talking to David about it and I yeah. felt it. 
you know, I felt it. We're we're six weeks away from twenty one. We're six weeks away from twenty one. <sighs> Hannah, what is your hope for twenty one? My hope for twenty one is peace. It is peace. It is the power for people to be heard for people. You guys said, I think you may have said this in your last podcast or maybe two ago, but for, you know, the importance of words, they can't just be thrown out there. What you say has a different effect on so many people. And so I hope that our new president, and I think he is aware of this way more so, um, what you say matters and how you say it matters and it starts with empathy you know we have to empathize um i i hope that people that we start paying attention to people that need to be heard i hope we start paying attention to our earth because man it provides so much it is a gift and we need to reciprocate Truly, I mean, back to the planet or else it's not going to be here forever. But I do think already that this blanket of hope and peace is being laid down because, man, we've been missing it big time. Wow, Zeus. Wow. First of all, and I think I speak for Preeti when I say this, and I rarely speak for Preeti. (laughs) So let me just be clear. (laughs) We are so honored by your enthusiasm for this podcast Girls. truly you're one of the no, seven no. that we talked about i gotta tell you um, <laughs> we're like we've got some listeners out there my sister actually said tell Dee Dee to stop saying that because you actually have plenty of listeners oh cool thank you folks thank you yeah because we don't know we're just talking to each other and to whoever you know is kind and generous enough to come and have these conversations with us so can i mean that Truly. Well, my pleasure. And I have to interject and thank you. The Bali effect was my COVID coping mechanism. The moment I realized, Dee Dee, that this podcast existed and then Preeti got to feel like I've gotten to know you through it. But truly, I started with the first episode. And I worked my way through. And it wasn't like, let me listen while I'm doing this. It was like, let me sit and listen. Because every single episode, what it's you in combination with your guests has been such a gift. There is medicine in every episode. Truly. I, 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 my, I, I don't know what to say to that <laughs> other than. You know what, though? It goes back to what Hannah said. We love doing it and I don't care what anyone thinks or says I I really we had a conversation about what we set out to do and we we stick to our you know mission you know and it's simple tell good stories with people that we adore and learn from each other and we've never we've never when we when we if there's a moment in time there might have been one where we were maybe wavering from that a little bit and then we came right back to the mission and i remember right d i was like well this is what we set out to do and when you have that poignant 
goal or that that thing in your head where you're like, this is what we're doing. It doesn't matter. I think that's that's. Thank you. I don't even. I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I love just, it. What just came to me is this line from like the school song that Hannah and I went to as kids, and the song was called uh, "Simple Gifts." It was like a Quaker hymn, and they make you sing it when you're, you know, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, all of that, and you you completely you know don't internalize the meaning but what i hear you saying preeti is we set out to just do something and and hannah in her journey she set out to do things that brought her joy and that's really simple it's really that simple the response is going to be greater than anything that you can anticipate and i will weep after this for everything that you know yeah. she has said but it's really that simple and the line goes you know it's a gift to be simple mm-hmm. it's a gift to be free it's a gift to come down where you ought to be. And when you find yourself in the place just right, Hannah, finish it for me. Twill be in the valley of love and delight. Man! <laughs> I can't what? believe you guys remember Shame it. ship. <laughs> she was the headmistress wow. all those years. Wow, like that, the legacy wow. of that. That's what they were teaching us. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hannah, we're going to wrap this. I just want to ask you, very simply something that I know you know we do with some of our favorite guests. If you can just complete these sentences, however you see fit. Okay. Just a few words, if any. I so wish more people would eat. Green vegetables. I so wish people understood that yoga can change your life. Even after the pandemic I'm not going back to highlighting my hair. (laughs) I hope anyone living with privilege will try to pass it on. And I want my children to learn that even in a pandemic, you must always be kind. Anna Robinson, y'all. Thanks, guys. What a what an amazing conversation, Hannah. Happy birthday. Thank happy you. happy birthday. It's an anniversary of your life and, and our gift to you, we hope, uh, is the gift of reflection on all of these remarkable things that you have come to in this journey. So happy, happy, happy. Where can people, can they find you on Instagram if they want to learn what you are up to these days? You can, you can. HF Robinson and right. working on maybe a small project. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find me. Okay. Bye. Everybody, HF Robinson, do yourself the favor and check out the food porn. It's amazing. Oh, that's foster feed. <laughs> foster feed. Oh, Foster feed, foster feed. Oh, okay. So two separate journeys through lines her and it's all beautiful. Thank you so much, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye, Hannah. Bye. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, follow us on Instagram, the underscore Bali underscore effect. And we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye. Check us out.